Hello dealers, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for joining us for the latest edition of our Rural Lifestyle Dealer Podcast Series. Today we're looking at how effective UTV brands are in responding to website leads, and how you as a dealer can improve your own response rates. We're talking with Fran O'Hagan, who is the President and CEO of Pied Piper Management Company. Pied Piper recently released the results from its Internet Lead Effectiveness, or ILE, study. As part of the study, Pied Piper sent customer inquiries through individual websites of 4,208 dealerships. O'Hagan explains the goal. Our study answers the question, what happens when a UTV or a motorcycle customer visits a dealer website and inquires about a vehicle? What happens? How quickly does the dealership respond and how do they respond? Do they attempt to phone the customer? Do they send an email? So what we find is today, there's some brands that send a, an email of some, of some type 90% of the time. And there's some brands that on average, the dealers provide a read, uh, an email less than half the time. So there's a, a big swing between the top brands and the bottom brands. Let's join the discussion and dig into the rankings, looking specifically at how OPE rural equipment brands did in the survey. The way that we Americans buy things, whatever those things are, has changed dramatically in the last 10 years. But even just in the last three or three to five years, let's say, I mean, to put it in perspective, Amazon has tripled their revenues in the last five years. And Amazon now accounts for just under half of total online sales. Um, last year, they did $233 billion in sales. The reason I'm talking about this, of course, is that we Americans, five years ago, it was easy to find somebody who never had bought anything through Amazon. Today, you know, that's the way we get paper towels or diapers or, you know, commodities. It's just the way that us Americans buy things. And the other thing that has changed dramatically in the last 10 years, today, eight out of 10 of us Americans have smartphones. So we use those smartphones to order stuff online. The reason this is important to UTV dealers is that for many customers, it would never occur to them to visit a UTV dealership in person of course, their first move is going to be to look up the UTV dealer online. And really, that is the way that UTV dealers are going to, let's say, meet their customers, their new customers. And then when we were looking at the survey, and it was really interesting the way the, the two customer or the two brands for, um, I'm sorry, the brands for uh, UTVs and motorcycles compared against each other. And um, it looks like a lot of the brands that we cover in the rural equipment market are really falling below that that industry average. So can you provide some highlights from the survey in, in terms of those rural equipment brands and how they're comparing in the survey against the motorcycle brands? Sure. I would say that the uh, outdoor power equipment brands selling UTVs are just a few years behind where the power sports brands are today. In other words, if you look back 
two or three years ago, the power sports brands, you know, Honda, Kawasaki, and so forth, they performed the way the, the OPE brands perform today. So I would tell you that if we look into our crystal ball for a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, we're going to see a lot of improvement from the outdoor power equipment brands. So in the survey, then, can you talk about what you're seeing uh, on those OPE brands or, or real equipment brands? I, uh, for instance, you had um, the survey shows that uh, Mahindra, for example, was had an improvement, and then some other brands were, you know, had really some declines from from year to year. Can you uh, talk about those brands in particular? Sure. So I, I suppose the best place to start is to say that. The top performing brand in our study, which was Harley-Davidson, at score 43, the maximum possible score is a 100. So in other words, the top brand scored a 43 out of 100. Now, to be clear, there are dealerships selling any of these brands that score in the 70s and 80s. In other words, individual dealers who do a wonderful job. But... There are so many dealerships today that just don't respond, or if they do respond, the only thing they send out is an automated email. You know, think of it as a form letter, and that's all. So 24 hours comes and goes. Customer asks their question, but the only thing they receive is either nothing or an automated form letter. The, the, that happens so frequently within this industry that it drags down those numbers. Well, yeah, that's a big impact when you're looking at dragging all the way down to a 43 from, from those high scores of, of 78 or 80 on an individual basis. Sure. And I would tell you that a year from now, two years from now, you're going to see individual brands on this list scoring in the 50s. Um, to, for the power sports dealers, how two or three years ago, they really weren't paying any attention to this part of the business. You know, I would, t- I would say that's similar to the OPE brands today, but today there are two or three power sports brands that, are, that have latched onto the part of the business, are focused on it, are working with their, their dealers to improve the way that they handle customers who contact the dealers through the dealer website. And then, yeah, in terms of then looking at that improvement, so the the brand, at least on the on the real equipment side, that had the biggest improvement would have been Mahindra. So they gained um, plus eight from from last time, and that that's the highest of the entire survey. Is that right? That's right, but with a with an asterisk. Okay. Their their score in the study was a twenty five. So yes, they improved a lot from last year, but a twenty five is still pretty abysmal. And then. Also, some brands were declining, and so you've highlighted them as uh, Bobcat, Kubota, and, and Husqvarna. So can you talk about those and, and how they're, they scored uh, in this survey and, and the declines? Sure. So the, the three brands that finished all the way at the bottom of the study, which are Caterpillar, Bobcat, and Toro, if we look at some examples of what happens when a customer reaches out to a Caterpillar dealer, let's say, 49% of the time, 24 hours comes and goes, and they get nothing, not even an automated response. And if we look at something like, hey, what percentage of the time does the Caterpillar dealer call the customer 
you know, that every one of our customers who contacts a dealer leaves a working local phone number and permission for them to contact them by phone. So for the industry, on average, a customer can expect to receive a call 45% of the time. For Caterpillar, it was 12% of the time. Uh, Toro, 6% of the time. Bobcat, 18% of the time. You know, why do you think, and I know you're, you're collecting data at this point, but um, do you have any thoughts about why there's just such, uh, you know, such low numbers for some of those response times? Sure. So two reasons. One is this is a difficult part of the business to get perfect every week, every day, every hour. It's not something that's easy to get perfect. And all we need to do to prove that to ourselves is to look at the auto industry. So the auto industry spends millions of dollars on perfecting this part of the business. And they are far from perfect. So a typical car dealership will have a number of employees dedicated only to responding to customers who contact them through the dealer website, and they still don't get it right all the time. So if you contrast that to a dealership that has far fewer employees, if you think about a typical dealership, maybe the salesperson or the sales manager, or in some cases, even the owner is interacting with a customer who's there in person and isn't available to respond immediately to a customer who contacts the dealership through the dealer website. But what we have found is that dealerships that follow three basic steps can move from performing well below the industry average to outperforming 80% of the industry, three basic steps. The first is to make sure that the dealership has an automated response and make sure that it's set up correctly. So that's the first. The second is don't go home at the end of the day with digital customers locked up in your store. In other words, respond to them before you go home at the end of the day. By doing that, you will at least get to everybody within 24 hours. And the third is the moment you hit send on that email message to a customer, pick up the phone and call them. 40% of the time, you'll get voicemail, and that's fine. You can just leave a short message. But 60% of the time, you'll get the person, and then you can start talking to them. So far in this podcast, Fran O'Hagan of Pied Piper Management Company has shared how brands in our market rank regarding internet lead effectiveness. Unfortunately, those rankings are below the industry average when including power sports dealers. In real-world terms, this means dealers are losing customers coming to them through their websites by simply not responding or responding too slowly. In the next part of our discussion, O'Hagan explains more about these digital failures, but there is cause for optimism as he says brands and dealers are evolving in how they handle their digital customers. Is there this sense that the you know in the in the workday that the digital customers the online customers are lower priority than to uh, somebody who's standing in the store you know i would tell you that they're invisible it's not that they're lower priority but they're invisible so that it's easier to blow them off than it is to blow off a customer who's there in person that's also one of the reasons why it's hard to get this right 
because you figure if Lynn owns a dealership, it's Lynn's dealership, and you walk in and you see that one of your salespeople is reading the paper and sipping some coffee while a customer's walking around, you're going to take care of that right away. But unless you go looking for it, you're just not going to know if digital customers are being ignored. Do you think there will be, at least in, in this market, that that digital customers will be expecting um, not just automated responses, but real responses in, in the evenings? I believe that a customer who contacts a dealership and asks a question about a vehicle that the dealership has in inventory is about the best prospect that the dealership will ever hope to find. You figure this is the way that customers meet the dealership. It's not that the dealership needs to sell them a product by email. It's just the way that when a customer walks through the door, the dealership meets the customer. They don't jump on them and try to sell in the first 60 seconds. It's just the same with a digital customer. You're meeting the digital customer. This is just the way that customers interact with retailers today. Right. And and one thing also that was interesting when I looked through the survey and, and your results here that um, you know, you talked about the personal email, email response, and then um, can you talk about too that uh, the question where you asked about how often do dealerships answer the specific question within 24 hours, and how, sure. how our brands had responded or had ranked in with that question? Sure, there's quite a lot of variation. So industry wide, so customer contacts the dealership asks a question about a vehicle the dealership has an in inventory, assuming the dealership lists their inventory online. And if they don't, the customer asks a question, you know, more of a generic question about one of the vehicles the dealership carries. So 33% of the time, industry-wide, the customer can expect to receive back an answer to their question within 24 hours, an email answer to their question. So one out of three. But if we look at the difference by brand, we see that if you ask a Donmar dealer that question, you get an answer 52% of the time within 24 hours. But in contrast, if you ask a Caterpillar dealer that question, you get an answer 12% of the time, or Bobcat 14% of the time. And then in terms of that, that customer, if you're not responding within 24 hours, um, that could turn out to be a, just a lost lead altogether? This is a difficult part of the business to get right. You know, it's invisible to management. It changes all the time. And we even talked about digital failures. The digital side of this process breaks all the time, CRM systems, websites. But the customers don't care. The customers don't say, oh, I get it. You're busy with somebody in person and this is hard for you to get right. Um, I get it. I'll just be patient. No. Hey, if they ask a question, they expect someone to get back to them, certainly within 24 hours, but ideally within one hour. That requires some, some definite prioritization for the, for the dealership. And, and one thing that I saw was alarming, too, was the idea of emails, uh, dealership emails falling into the junk mail folder. Ah, uh, yes. So uh, this gets into the digital part of this. So not only can CRM systems fail or, or the dealer website have problems handing off leads to the CRM system, but if a dealership sets up their autoresponder to set out an email or the salesperson emails the customer, 
a surprisingly large percentage of the time, at least for some brands, those dealer response emails never make it to the customer. And of course, the dealer has no idea. They go to the customer's junk mail instead. And this varies by brand. So industry-wide, it's about one out of 10. One out of 10 dealer emails end up going into customer spam. But for some brands, it's as high as one out of five. And of course, for specific dealerships, it can be even higher. And so that, I think, falls into what you're also uh, rating regarding the following up by uh, telephone. So regardless if it lands in a junk mail folder, if you follow up in a timely way, you can still keep that customer. You're so correct. You have to do both because you figure if you, if you phone the customer, 40% of the time, you're not going to get them, even if they're expecting the call. But the same is true for emails. If some of those emails are ending up going into the customer's junk mail, you have to do both. You have to hit send on the email, pick up the phone and call them. And can you highlight some of the, the brands in, in terms of those that are performing well and, and then those are, that are not performing well in that calling within 24 hours? Industry-wide, the brand that is all the way at the top is Harley-Davidson. So Harley-Davidson dealerships attempt to call the customer 70% of the time. But if you look down at, um, let's see, Cub Cadet or Toro, it's less than 10% of the time. So again, that's part of that, that process breakdown? It is. And like I said, if we look at where the power sports dealerships were, well, I have an even better example for you. If you look at where the auto industry was 10 years ago, 10 years ago for the auto industry, a third of the time customers would get no response of any type, not even an automated response. And of course, that completely changed. And if you talk to an auto dealer today and you say, hey, is it important to respond to customers who contact you by, through, the, through your website? The auto dealer will look at you like you're a nut and say, that's just the way that customers buy today. And the power sports brands have a little bit of a head start, but I'm quite sure that the outdoor power equipment brands are going to start paying attention to this part of the business too. Right. And then along with that, the buying mode that, you know, these, these customers are, you know, maybe a little further along in, in their journey, you also looked at including a price. And so there's, uh, there are some brands that aren't even including prices. Um, can you talk about that? Sure. So if you think about it, if you study marketing, absolutely the number one way of positioning a product is price. So in other words, if a customer is figuring out, am I going to consider buying this or am I not? The number one attribute for any product is price. I mean, it can be high, it can be low, whatever it is. So any entity that sells used product knows that price is the number one seller. If you try to list a product to sell a used uh, vehicle and you don't put a price, it's not going to sell. Because the customers can't rule it in or rule it out. Well, it's the same for new vehicles. And it, by the way, it can absolutely be something like MSRP. It doesn't have to be a deal. That's completely up to the individual retailers to figure out what their attitude toward pricing is. But a response to a customer definitely wants to list a price. And if we look at the, the percentage of the time that that happens, 
me see if I can find some examples for you. So industry-wide, customers are provided a price 30% of the time. And if we look at differences by brand, Caterpillar does not provide a price, period. Bobcat provides a price 6% of the time. Club Car, 6% of the time. Gravely, 9% of the time. But if we look at the other end of the spectrum, the um, Polaris is 45% of the time. Honda's 56% of the time. Uh, Articat, 46% of the time. But notice, not, not 100% of the time. You made an interesting point in that um, this is all part of an evolution of marketing. So although some of these numbers might be alarming, um, your it sounds like your opinion is that it's just part of improving and you know improving how digital marketing is being carried out. It is. I think it's just a it, it's an acceptance that this is the way us Americans buy stuff. It's changed so quickly. If you think about it. A little over 10 years ago, the iPhone did not exist. It wasn't there. You know, iPhone appeared in 2007. And today, eight out of 10 Americans have either an iPhone or an Android phone, eight out of 10. And if you think about Amazon, Amazon in 2007, when the iPhone appeared, did 15 billion in revenues. Last year, it was 233 billion. Last year, Amazon was 47% of total online sales. So my point is this. Us Americans are used to whipping out our smartphone, looking something up, and acting on it. You know, we walk out of the restaurant. We see, if you're in Arizona, you see a UTV parked in front of the restaurant. You look at it and say, hey, I didn't know Caterpillar made UTVs. You whip out your iPhone. You look up Caterpillar. You you say, hey, where's the closest dealer in Phoenix? There it is. And all of a sudden, you're going down the path to to shop for a, a Caterpillar UTV. And it's also a a fun way, I think, to shop. <laughs> you get a lot done quickly and uh, do comparisons quickly. Sure. And, you know, it's very important to say the world hasn't changed to selling UTVs online. That's not what happens. It's meeting the customer online. The customer still is going to want to come into the dealership. You know, what we found even for autos, it's maybe one customer in 20 at the most that actually wants to carry out the whole transaction without ever coming into the dealership. And that's for cars. When it comes to products that are fun, and certainly a lot of the products sold by these brands, by you know UTVs, are fun. You have to figure the customer does want to come into the dealership, and that's the objective. The objective for a dealer is to speak to the customer on the phone, you know, as an objective. If they're talking, if they're communicating by email, speak on the phone and get them to come into the dealership in person. Well, that's a, a lot of great info for our dealers, and especially just following along the path of some of these questions, just looking how, at how they can improve the process with you know, personal emails and, and responding by phone, and including price, just following those things. And um, is there anything that we haven't yet talked about that you wanted to share about the study? Sure. I, I think of two things. One is it's absolutely worth the effort to improve this part of the business. And we see that from... The auto industry has been tracking web lead close rates for years for all dealers. So it's in that industry, it's really easy to see 
hey, how does a dealership who behaves like this compare to a dealership who behaves like that in terms of actually selling stuff? Now, the Power Sports and OPE brands, they're only just starting to tie dealership behaviors to web lead close rates. But for the car guys, moving from scoring a 40, you know, PSI ILE, to scoring an 80, it doubles their web lead close rates. So changing these behaviors is absolutely worth it. And then a second point that I would say is the way to change these behaviors is to have something that shines a spotlight on what's really happening so the dealers can see what's really happening when a customer contacts them, what really happens today. Thank you to Fran O'Hagan of Pied Piper Management Company. There are a lot of takeaways we learned from Pied Piper's Internet Lead Effectiveness Survey, actions that should be fairly straightforward to implement. For instance, O'Hagan says dealers should focus on these three steps. Number one, make sure you have an automated response program for internet inquiries and that it's set up correctly. Number two, don't leave the dealership at the end of the day without responding personally to internet leads with an email. And number three, immediately after sending an email, call the customer. By following these steps, you can help take advantage of customers who are often solid sales leads. Stay tuned for additional podcasts from our experts and dealers. Our podcast is now available on Spotify. It can also be found on iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. And if you're not yet a subscriber to our print or digital content, head on over to RuleLifestyleDealer.com and join our community. From all of us, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for listening.